was the night before Life Day, in a galaxy far, far away. Looking good. Tree, food, decorations. Coming together, heroes were to celebrate the day. Please be a cape. Please be a cape. It's a wrap! For Ray, adventure called, and she thought it would be fast. Wow. But there she found a key to the galaxy's past. What are you doing? This is so cool! We've seen my master. My master's master. Concentrate. My master's father. Impressive. My master's father's master. Emperor Palpatine? Hmm? I don't believe it! Uh, you think maybe you could put a shirt on? It's a key to travel across space and time. <laughs> I will change the future. So sure are you. Mm-hmm. Less talky-talky, more fighty-fighty. <laughs> Races. Jinx! Oh, double jinx! <laughs> oh. So cute. Yahoo! Ooh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Galaxy's best emperor. Meh. You thinking what I'm thinking? Music! A time of joy. This is... Ray! A friendship. A family. Where are you guys? Master Skywalker. My son. I mean, my. These binary sons. Unta, unta, solos? You want to shoot first? After you. Welcome, one and all, to the podcast without a cool acronym. The podcast where we review Disney television animation shows. Well, mostly. This one actually technically wasn't produced by them, but whatever. I'm Chandler Darroche, your host. Joining me on the podcast today via Zoom from Orlando. You know him from the Twitter feed, at Obi Kenoki, and from several of my videos. Ladies and gentlemen, Landon Kenoki. Hello. My name's Landon, and I have opinions about things, and I'm hard to convince that I'm wrong. Yay! Well, you're just fine being on a podcast, then. (laughs) (laughs) And also from Orlando, you know him from Theme Park Workshop, from his movie reviews from AdamsFinalCut.com, and from the Twitter feed at AdamJ underscore film, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Johnson. Hey there, hi there, ho there, I'm as welcome as can be. Yes, sir. (laughs) We're actually recording on the day after Life Day, because I was trying to get it coordinated yesterday, and it didn't end up working out. Um... So we're recording this on Mickey Mouse's birthday instead. And I'm kind of amazed they haven't tried to do a Star Wars parody in the new Mickey short. Because they've done, like, everything else. Yeah, you had Phineas and Ferb. You had... Uh, uh, no, 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 just in the, just in the Mickey shorts. Um, like, things that they've actually done, uh, references and parodies. Probably the best uh, Disney World parody ever with Potato Land. Yes. Well, and... <laughs> I don't know if you guys have watched the ones that dropped today, but those were so good. <laughs> oh, I, did, I haven't seen those. Yeah, they're the the first one. Um, they have a have a shot towards the end that's literally Frontierland, and then the second one is the House of Tomorrow, <laughs> which is so good. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the special that dropped yesterday on Disney Plus, which was the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. 
Um, so there's obviously a little bit of uh, background with this. Of course, the Star Wars Holiday Special is a thing that existed, and it's widely regarded as one of the worst things ever made. But it's become this cult icon for some reason. <laughs> like, it's really bad. <laughs> but everyone still talks about it because of how bad it is and how legendary it's become. And yet, even then, there's still things about it that people remember fondly, like the the whole Cantina B. Arthur scene. <laughs> and Boba Fett. And Boba Fett. It was Boba Fett's first appearance. Um, <laughs> but then you've got the Wookiees watching Hollow... <laughs> And also, there's no subtitles, so it's just Wookiees roaring for half of the script. Uh, what, were, what what kind of shit were they on to write that? Like, honestly, it, it. Well, the guy the guy who wrote that I found out actually went on to write the last two decades of Oscars. He wrote the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also people just droning on incoherently, so it, it all works out. Yeah, gotta start from somewhere. <laughs> Why not it be Star Wars? But the other thing is, this is a Life Day special by name, and there certainly is a subplot with it just being a holiday, but it's mainly actually a time travel story that kind of just goes through everything. And it, it is very much in the vein of something like Robot Chicken or... Family Guy or Phineas and Ferb in terms of just being a fun, silly Star Wars special. And Lego's been doing this for a long time. So it's not like this is new new territory or a new ground for them. It's a lot of the same writers that have worked on the ones in the past, such as Droid Tales, Freemaker Adventures. So they, they've already got a, a clear winning formula for this. The interesting thing about this one is that, to my knowledge, this is the first one where they're really doing the sequel trilogy anything. Mm-hmm. They haven't really touched the sequel trilogy, at least to my knowledge. That, that's interesting because the cover looks very original trilogy-ish. Well, yeah, but... the whole thing is it goes back in time to everything, but it largely focuses on the original trilogy. I am yeah, curious so. to see how the sequel trilogy is parodied because it's not nearly as memed as like the prequels or the original, especially there the definitely prequels. is prequels are so memeable that that will get to <laughs> that is a really fun um, nod to a meme. Yeah, and actually, um, going back to what you said about Lego and um, the sequel trilogy, they actually did do one. They did the Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens video game. Oh, okay. I feel like that's really the only spot that they've touched that we've seen, because they do have the Skywalker Saga game coming out later, but I don't think on television they've done sequels. Yeah, they haven't done the sequels yet on TV with Lego because they've done, like I said, all those other ones. Most they, they seem most comfortable around the events of the original trilogy, but they're not afraid to go back to the... the they're, they're not afraid to go to the prequels and make fun of the prequels as well. There was yeah. one bit in particular in the Droid Tales where they like get rid of Jar Jar very early on and it's like, thank you! Thank you for this! <laughs> uh, I think there was actually a... Um one of the first Lego shorts before Disney was even involved uh, was called Revenge of the Brick. <laughs> um, and I think it had to do with art. And there's another one with R2-D2, I think. And that was all like episode three uh, promotion. Can imagine that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was I, like, I remember reading yeah. comics 
for for before episode three came out, Lego Comics. I remember. Um, I don't remember exactly what my first exposure was to Lego Star Wars. I think it might have actually been like just a random comic book that I happened to get um, from Legoland. I could be wrong. I don't, I don't know, but it's uh, interesting. My first exposure to any Star Wars that was actually Lego Star Wars, but it wasn't like a, it was the first video game where it's like we've got a special sneak peek <laughs> and completely spoiler-filled look at what Episode Three is going to be. Yeah, um, that was my first exposure um, to this galaxy far, far away. And uh, sixteen years late, or fifteen years later, uh, here we are. <laughs> you know, the thing about trying to spoil Episode Three, though, is that how do you spoil a movie that you already know basically how it's going to end? Um, how villains die because they they had like the Dooku scene, the Grievous. They basically did like oh, beat okay. for beat the movie. The only oh, thing that yeah. changed was the uh, Jedi Purge, but that was never the same in any adaptation of Episode Three. Um, that was the big question: like, how did Shock T really die, or did she die? Because it changed in every single adaptation of Episode Three. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Because I mean, the thing the thing there is, you kind of know that most of these characters have to either die or go into hiding. You just don't really know how many. Yeah, of them, we we didn't know the implications the of it. There. There were things that surprised us when we saw episode three. How old was I when episode three came out? That was 2005, right? I was 11. May 19th, 2005. Yeah, so I was eight, and I I do remember seeing it, and I remember liking it, although I hadn't really, like, I don't think we'd gone back and rewatched the last two before I went to go see it, so I wasn't quite sure what was going on. I was just like, Ooh. yeah, I definitely knew what was going on. I have a vivid memory of going to the theater to see it. This looks I was really excited to see it. I was very excited to see it. I mean, my, my, my first exposure to Star Wars was, of course, Star Tours. That was the, the um, my main access to that universe for a while until I um, finally sat down and watched the original trilogy all the way through. Um, that was. Probably shortly after um, Revenge of the Sith came out that I actually sat down and watched the whole thing through. Yeah, I don't really know my first exposure to Star Wars because my whole life, it seems like I've already seen it. Mm -hmm. But we had those VHSs of the original trilogy from as far back as I can remember. When I was three or four years old, I recognized Luke and Han and Leia. And when I was at St. Mark's in like, you know, when I was three or four, 1998, I remember them saying the book of Luke and I just pictured Luke Skywalker <laughs> at church. So I had definitely seen, I'm like, oh, is this a Star Wars book? <laughs> <laughs> is Jesus canon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, and that's, you know, little preschool Sunday school, me thinking that. <laughs> Well, we will be back after we've watched the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special on Disney+. Plus. Hey you! Yes, you! Are you a fan of Disney Parks but are upset you can't go right now? Do you want your own chance to make some magic happen? Do you like art, comedy, and tomfoolish shenaniganery? Then have we got some good news for you! 
In an effort to help laid off Disney cast members and similar park employees, at Thanks for Magic is hosting a 36-hour charity live stream. Set your calendars for noon Pacific Standard Time on Saturday, December 5th, so we can all come together and say, thanks for the magic. If you want to help make this happen, follow at Thanks for Magic on Twitter for updates. Together, we can make sure that those who helped us make magic get some magic in return. Okay, so we just watched the LEGO Star Wars Holiday Special, also known as Star Wars Endgame Christmas Edition. That was really good. Nice, nice tribute to Star Wars in a way. It cute. It's witty. <laughs> cute and witty. I, I will say that for something that's the holiday special, I was surprised. That, like, I feel like you could have rewritten that to have nothing to do with the holiday. <laughs> I feel like they wanted to have the holiday thing as kind of just a way to get people to watch it because it has name resemblance to that other thing and it, it does involve the holiday in part of the subplot that you're not really caring about because you're more yeah be, because those worry. wookies look exactly like in the holiday special <laughs> so they're, they're does, nodding but it does ultimately tie together and that that plot sets off the the main ray plot and then she comes back into it at the end and then i guess kind of what they're going for is like on the holiday, you gather with your family and friends and people you haven't seen in a while. And that's kind of what they're doing for Star Wars. They're taking all these tropes and characters at different points in the story and just combining them. Right, you just throw it all. It literally is just emptying out the toy box and just throwing everything together. And yeah. that's what makes this so much fun is they don't, they know they don't have to care about anything making sense and they can just do whatever they want and it's awesome yeah initially i was thinking it was like a christmas carol it was where they're just observing but then she like interacts with the character right hello there yeah <laughs> um yeah it's very much um kind of the same moral that we get in those christmas specials it's like what's the true meaning of christmas or in this case what's the true meaning of life day and I think you can tell like five minutes in that it's going to be Life Day or Christmas or whatever holiday you represent. It's about everyone being together. And Ray, she has to learn that on her journey going through the galaxy or going through time and space. Um, because when I was watching it, the, the actually both times, just as I watch it, I'm, I'm thinking, man, those points where she's going through and seeing all the masters, she's not really sticking around a whole lot. I don't think she's actually really learning much from that. And then Yoda comes in uh, at the end and he's like mm, look at what you've missed and it's that all the masters and apprentices in star wars are more than just master and apprentice it's friends and they're there for each other just as ray should be there for her friends and her friends should be there for her which they are in the end and that's like the meaning of of christmas so i mean it's christmas you know you get the same uh same same story packaged in a, a new wrapping paper this time it was the wookie wrapping paper um and it's cute and it's fun this just and had more uh quote fighty fighty <laughs> in it than we might be used to and when you're there was there quite a bit of fighty fighty in it and when you're not there for your friend or apprentice you get thrown down a reactor shaft <laughs> But at least Shivi learned his way this time. Which is funny because that I feel like when... was directly taken from the Robot Chicken special. 
I feel like when people look back at things from the teens and now we're in the 20s is there's they're going to look at how everything really, really likes to be meta mm-hmm. and make fun of itself. Like, I feel like that's a trend that started in the 2010s and is still going now in 2020. I think that started well before the 2010s. That really started with, at least in in filmmaking, that I think really started with Wes Craven's New Nightmare and then Scream. Those were among, I'm not to say that those were the so first. So Scream is a little different because Scream is sort of a parody of a genre. Yeah. It's a parody. It's not quite the same as the constant self self uh, making fun of like mm. making fun of yourself in in a in a way scream right, is more okay. just kind of here's the horror tropes and now we're just gonna make fun of them right but if you want a super meta movie look at Wes craven's new nightmare that is very much self-aware about the franchise that it is but it also is just this very meta story as well which this is not quite on that level <laughs> but it does very yeah. much well, I guess I don't just mean meta. I mean like the sort the of acknowledging that what you're doing doesn't make sense and pointing out plot holes, you know, in a in a self-aggrandizing way. And well, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a trend. It's just a trend I noticed. Yeah. Really, really common that when I was, this is going to age me, when I you know started high school in 2008, that just <laughs> wasn't as much of a thing. Right. <laughs> I gotta say that I really, really liked the Emperor character in this, and I felt like he was inspired by the Emperor in Robot Chicken parody, <laughs> because the Emperor in the yeah. Robot Chicken parody is like the best Absolutely. character ever. <laughs> Where are you? And I felt like this was just kind of the same character going, make with the fighty fighty. <laughs> Ooh, it's a portal. I, We're love sending you I, really, I really love the way that he interacted with Vader and Kylo Ren in this. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun back and forth where you can tell he's already getting tired of Vader as his apprentice. And that ultimately ends up being what causes Vader to just throw him down the reactor shaft anyways. It's not even anything he does to Luke this time. It's just Vader is so sick of this shit. He's like, no, I'm not doing this anymore because you are the worst boss ever. Which is kind of a canon thing. Like, even as if you read the the comics, there's one called Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. And like two issues in, you already know Vader hates this guy and the Emperor hates (laughs) hates Vader. Like, they're just done with each other because Emperor is like, ah, man, Vader, you went and screwed up and you got yourself burnt alive to crisp. And Vader's like, you're kind of abusive. And they work through that throughout the comic and throughout their entire uh, storyline. So I, I thought it was cool how um, they integrated that kind of canon truth into the, uh, the special in a funny way. That's the thing is, everyone here is, for the most part, pretty much entirely in character. It's, it's mainly... Except it, for Poe. Poe did not feel like Poe at all. Well, because we haven't really seen him outside of a role where he has to do shit. He's just kind of trying to keep the keep the, the party together because uh, I, I think normally Ray is kind of the glue that holds the group together, and when she's not there, suddenly it's like there's a there's a vacuum, and who's gonna fill that? No matter how little it made sense, is that the Millennium Falcon was the gathering place? <laughs> Just because yeah. that's just played such a role in so much Star Wars. Yeah. And I think Even though it wouldn't really make sense to invite them all to a fucking junk. <laughs> where else would you have it? Just in their house? I was saying, and just like in episode nine, Poe doesn't know how to take care of the, the Falcon, right? 
He's either, uh, what is it, hyperspace jumping or uh, roasting um, Tip-Yip over a, uh, an engine fire. Which is not an inherently bad way to do it, but you need it on the lowest setting possible. I mean, they roast um, Ronto on a pod racer engine. That's true. Too. I forgot about that. The, the, I, I really like that it's like, oh, Tip-Yip, I've actually had that. <laughs> it's canon. I've had fried and Dorian Tip-Yip, and it's quite delicious. Uh, I'm going through my notes here. Um, so a couple things just, just comparing this to Rise of Skywalker because I have to. Um, <laughs> so Finn and Rey interact more in this and actually have like meaningful interactions more in this special when they're not even together than in the, the entirety of the Rise of Skywalker. And you know who else gets more to do in this than the Rise of Skywalker even though she still doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot? Rose. Rose. Tico. And I am so glad that they actually got Kelly Marie Tran back to do Rose. That makes mm -hmm. me so happy. And I'm very excited to see Raya and the Last Dragon. Kelly Marie Tran haters can freaking suck it. She's awesome. I felt like it was funny that they had Kylo Ren say, this timeline ends with you being thrown into the reactor. No <laughs> one comes back from that. No one comes back from that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so jumping around a little bit. Yeah, that, I thought that was so, it's just like, it's so stupid <laughs> that they brought Palpatine back. And you notice they never mentioned that that happened at all. Yeah. Even they, didn't mention, they didn't mention the, that Ray is uh, his granddaughter either. She's just like, mm -hmm. you lost once, you'll lose again. Good, always triumphs over evil. Yeah, they um, don't mention it because it's almost like it was stupid and shouldn't have ever happened. There's like only one um, uh, uh, sincere uh, connection or callback to uh, Rise of Skywalker, it felt like. Um, and that's when she sends Kylo Ray back and she's like, bye, Ben. Like, just sad because she yeah, knows he's going to eat that, her. And year. I thought that was perfect. That yeah. was perfect. And of course, there's also the brief appearance of the gazillion Death Star destroyers above Exegol. And mm -hmm. that's just a fucking cool just sequence. I love that sequence. Even though the rest of the movie is hot garbage, those look so cool. And yeah, that cool. scene on Star Tours is fantastic. It is. It is a cool sequence. Yes. Star yeah. Tours in general is just fantastic. I mean, I, I feel yes. like they're just like, okay, does it make a lot of sense to have a zillion Death Star Destroyers? No. Is it going to look amazing? Yes. The Death Star Destroyers? <laughs> They are Death Star Destroyers. They are Star Destroyers with Death Star capabilities. Oh, I see what you mean. That's clever. Yes, they are Death Star Destroyers. That's uh, a lot of kyber. So when Rey travels back in time, um, the first place that she ends up is on Dagobah, and she sees Yoda trying to train Luke. And they add in a line for Yoda when... Luke, when he after he says um, there is no try, only do or do not. Luke is participation like, trophies in the force. There are not. Luke yes. is like, isn't trying a good thing? You're just like, there's no participation trophies for Jedi. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, no, this had a lot of witty lines like that. But only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> they they always talk about how millennials are privileged because they got participation trophies. I always thought my participation trophies were traumatizing because it's a living memorial you lost. Here's <laughs> something that reminds you you lost. I always oh. thought it was the opposite. Man, when I was in marching band, um, for the first couple of years, the only 
not the only section, but like consistently my section, the percussion section would get um, awards for how good we were um, in comparison to the other ones. But I mean, that was nice. Best percussion was nice, but it was really nice. Oh man, we would go crazy over the participation trophies. We got the participation ribbon or plaque, whatever it was, we're like participation. <laughs> and then I think the rest of the band kind of looked at us like we were uh, um, out of our minds, um, but we celebrated very uh, enthusiastically. And I'll, I'll never forget that. <laughs> I miss Mark. Yeah, and marching band, I don't think they gave us participation trophies. Oh, you Only if you were the best, you got a trophy. So it's apparently made us not entitled. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Then it was the Phantom Menace where he, where Obi-Wan's saying, I don't want to do trade negotiations. Right, right, right. right, Who cares about a trade dispute? Chad, I don't seek adventure. (laughs) Which I love that they got, I love that they got the Clone Wars actors back. Like they got um, Matt Lanter back as Anakin and they got James Arnold Taylor back as Obi-Wan. And I've seen so much Clone Wars this year uh just binging it before season seven came out it wiped me out but because of that like those actors the actors for the the animated series they're like the original cast uh in a way like yeah um so it's nice to have like like a legacy cast and they brought them back as well and you know who i was surprised not to see in this i was surprised there was no lando calrissian he was in there there. wait where was lando it was old lando oh he showed up at the falcon yeah, yeah, he's like, he I love Max Rebo. Yeah, he was there. Oh, yeah. Because Billy D. Williams loves being Lando and will do it for like anything. <laughs> Same with Anthony Daniels and C3PO. I want to know what they possibly have done in the past where those two did not play those characters and how bad it was that they didn't do it or how well they got paid to not do it. Because they're, it's great that they like show up all the time to play those characters. So when the- I was in high school, my brother and I went to Star Wars in concert, and it was hosted by Anthony Daniels, like, live. That's he was standing there and hosting it. The only line from Star Wars he would actually reenact in front of us was, the odds of surviving a direct assault on an Imperial Star Destroyer approximately 186 million to one. <laughs> so in the Phineas and Ferb crossover, for whatever reason, they couldn't get Anthony Daniels. So instead, uh, C-3PO was played by Simon Pegg. How that works. Which is not a bad replacement to get. If you're going to no. get anyone to replace Anthony Daniels, you might as well get Simon Pegg. He's in the Star Wars and the Star Trek family. Yes, of course. I love that they reference hello there twice, just because they know how much of a meme that's become. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of references <laughs> twice. General Kenobi! Hello there. Uh, Ray gets to help Luke blow up the Death Star, which was fun. Um... And just listen to your master. <laughs> master. And then uh, meanwhile, back on Kashyyyk, um, Poe Poe is trying to roast Tippy up on the Millennium Falcon engine. <laughs> Which, like I said earlier, you can do that, but you need to be careful. And of course, Ray's like, okay, one last one last jump to see one last master and apprentice. And of course, that master and apprentice ends up being Palpatine and Darth Vader. And Ray ends up facing off with Darth Vader, which is friggin' awesome. Like that That's... was so cool to see. And it goes on. Out. And it goes on for a good long while too. Yeah, I like how at the beginning of it they did a home, an, not homage, 
homage. They did an homage to um, two, like three um, really iconic beats for those characters. Like Vader, he just sends the rocks just with his lightsaber, like in uh, uh, Empire. And then Rey, she moves the rocks like she does at The Last Jedi. And then they're fighting over the, um, the key, uh, the same way that uh, Kylo and uh, uh, Ray fight over the, the lightsaber. I'm like, oh, that's three really good references back to back to back. Right, and there's a bunch more of those kind of things later on that, that this is why it's not just a, a silly ha-ha comedy special. It's like, no, they actually legitimately wanted to do right by these characters and tell a fun story with them, which I really appreciate. And I, I love those kinds of things like that. Like they, they did a really good job with the special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of the characters were in character I will say I kind of felt like Ray was like a little more careless than Ray is in the movies. Yeah, but maybe that's just a little bit. I mean it's it's a silly holiday special, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I just was like, is Ray that careless? <laughs> maybe it depends on where the timeline is. Yeah, well that's one thing I've noticed because I, I I'm trying to like read and watch and play all the Star Wars things I can. But outside of the movies, I've noticed um people have a really hard time writing for Ray. Um, Cause in the movies, it's very much her, her like um, cardinal direction is figuring out who her family is, figuring out her place in the Star Wars stories. So when it's something smaller, like the comic Star Wars Allegiance or, or this uh, special, um, those can't be things. Like uh, her normal motivations can't be that thing. Um, so I've noticed like the way she's written is just slightly off um, from where she is in um, the films. So one day, one day they'll figure it out how to like get right pitch perfect. Um, but I think because of that, it's, it's hard to, to write her true because of how uh, JJ and Ryan and all those other folks, they, they wrote her in the films. Yeah, because she's always in a very like distinct situation mm-hmm. and you don't really see her in a more like just we're celebrating life day situation <laughs> yeah yeah i did like seeing master ray in uh um uh in play in action um just a little bit we saw with her and finn actually just the beginning of the end we saw her trying to train finn i thought that was like a nice uh, uh moving on the story i really wish that had been a beat in the rise of skywalker where ray is actually trying to train finn to be a jedi but the, in Rise of Skywalker, they hint that Finn is force sensitive, but they never actually say it. Yeah, yeah. And they do that stupid freaking thing where, uh, where Finn is like, "I have this. I have something I have to tell you." What? And then they sing into the quicksand. And then it's like, "So what were you going to tell me?" Oh, it's nothing, and it never comes up again. It's like, so we know he doesn't actually have feelings for her, or maybe he does, but no, we, he was going to tell her that he's force sensitive. See, that's that's a reaction to everybody constantly hating on everything in The Last Jedi. So they just have to try to say something without saying it directly so that they don't make people mad, which doesn't and, uh, work. This is why but that's the their intent. Sucked. Um, because <laughs> Last Jedi, everybody was complaining about like every single detail there that they revealed. So like, the let's just not Jedi reveal is- anything and just let people make up their own stories. Say what you want about The Last Jedi, but it had definitive answers for things. Yes. Whereas The Rise of Skywalker kind of does, but kind of doesn't. Mostly does. But we are reviewing the 
Lego. <laughs> right, I know. I'll, I'll much more. Uh, one thing that's really fun during the whole sequence where Ray and Darth Vader are going through um, different time periods is they end up in um, the base on Hoth mm-hmm. when Vader and his whole crew of snowtroopers are invading. Uh, there's a there's a moment where it's like the the two Spider-Mans with Darth Vader. That was fantastic. And we get Darth Vader fighting himself, which was so awesome. Yes. And then he realizes Oh, this is me. Okay, do what the other me wants. Destroy <laughs> the girl or fight the girl. <laughs> I just love it. the stormtroopers because they're stormtroopers. Like, is there a protocol for this? <laughs> um, I love There's so many good life. gags in this. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I love anytime the stormtroopers are just like, what are we supposed to do here? <laughs> I love that. I also noticed, like, as they're falling through the space and times, like, they use some of the screams from the Lego Star Wars game. Like if a stormtrooper or a minor character dies, they have that, oh, like that kind of yell. <laughs> and it was in there like three or four times. That's awesome. That's a nice little nod. That. Yeah, I was surprised to not hear a Willem scream. I just realized there's no Willem scream. It might have yeah. been in there buried somewhere. Like Possibly, the- yeah, because I only saw it once. But like the oh, Willem scream, that's the classic you got to do if you're parodying Star Wars, which I don't know if this is technically a parody or what it's you would call it. It's a loving nudge. Yeah, because <laughs> I think Star Wars has probably the best lineup of anything parodying it. Like, there's oh, so absolutely. many good Star Wars parodies. That's why it's so it's so hard to be like, okay, so we're going to do a parody of Star Wars. It's like, what is there even left of parody? And the answer is, you don't go with the intention of doing a parody, you write a funny special that is genuine. That's the way to go. That's what Phineas and Ferb did, and that's what this is. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how Star Wars detours would have been. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other, the other thing I was kind of thinking, speaking of Phineas and Ferb, is that when they're just warping <laughs> through different time periods, it reminded me of Brand New Reality from Across the Second Dimension. Uh, I was thinking during that part. I wish there's a track in Solo: A Star Wars Story, which was not represented in the special, unfortunately. Uh, there's a track in there by John Powell called "Reminiscence Therapy," and I believe it happens during the Kessel Run. Um, where it's a medley, it's a mashup of a bunch of themes with, that Han Solo was part of in the uh, in the series, and they just throw it all together for that that one scene. I wish, like when they were going through the different spaces and the different times, that they had a similar kind of mashup. And it sounded like that's what they're going to do when they go on Hoth, and it's um, one of those they play a theme like, oh, will they go like into another time period, and it's like the pod race theme, and then another time period, and it's like all move together. Man, I can't wait to listen to that track. It wasn't in there. I wish it was, but I think they the the Darth Vader versus Darth Vader scene, I thought, um, was still fun. And then they still like had the fun references. Like they use the exact dialogue. And I think you're about to talk about the Padre scene. They use the exact uh, dialogue from the uh, uh, the scene. Oh, I don't care where you're from. That's gotta hurt. <laughs> yeah, so of course there was the pod racing because you gotta do the pod racing if you're going back and talking about everything and doing everything. Um, the other bit that I really like that immediately follows that is with the two clone troopers just talking to each other and they're like <laughs> saying the exact same thing. They're like, wow, it's almost like we're the same person. 
Yes. It's it's funny to make that joke about how they're all clones, but it also is kind of like redundant because Clone Wars kind of went into the fact that they're all clones and did all this deep stuff with it. Very but then they're just doing a joke. Well, you know what else it reminded me of? It reminded me of the season finale of The Mandalorian where it opened up with like five minutes of the stormtroopers just uh, talking to each other and kicking oh, Yoda. Yeah. It made me wonder what one of the first times that they sort of humanized stormtroopers. Outside of like the novels and stuff, yeah. And a certain uh, and a certain other non-canon special I've already mentioned several times. (laughs) Well, and also also in the Force Awakens, where where Finn realizes that he's not gonna go along with. I I should clarify what I mean: stormtroopers that aren't main characters. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. (laughs) Well, there was a deleted scene of uh, oh shoot. Moff Jerjerod, I think his name was, uh, oh. where he re- like realizes they're going to lose the Battle of Endor, and he looks very sad. They deleted it though, so uh. your point still stands. <laughs> um, there's also a speaking of the Mandalorian. There's also a Mandalorian um, scene because, of course, <laughs> and basically everyone's just like, "Oh, baby Yoda's so cute," and they don't even care about anything else that's going on. Yeah, because that's all I, anybody I, talks about. That I feel like. I feel like a lot of people don't even actually watch The Mandalorian. They just watch for Baby Yoda. Yep. Yep. You, you met my, my friend at Magic Kingdom. That's what she does. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. uh, yeah, that scene was such a low-hanging fruit, but I ate it all up like a fruit salad. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie really has a lot of uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet vibes. Just Ooh, every possible nice reference. Shit, look at all the stuff we own. <laughs> Nice observation, Landon. Uh, like I said, it's a trend, a trend that's very distinct to the teens and probably into the twenties now. Yeah, but honestly, I, I kind of like this better than Ralph Breaks the Internet because it's just one franchise and everything actually connects. Yeah, yeah, I think it works a little better because Ralph Breaks the Internet was just trying to do too many things, trying to make fun of the internet, but also Disney and also. And the thing is, not enough of it comes back to actually be important to the story. I mean, Vanellope's whole quest, I guess, kind of helps her realize what she wants, but that could have been something else. It didn't have to be with the princesses. So they end up all landing on Tatooine back in Luke's moisture farming days when he's just casually sitting there drinking blue milk. Uh, (laughs) And of course... The, the most obvious thing that happens is there's the two versions of Han Solo that land directly across from a Greedo, which is completely unlikely, even if you're time traveling willy-nilly. But of course it's great, it has to happen because they both just end up shooting at him. And then there's this huge battle with all these characters on either side just because they're like, well, the opposite side is there, so we need to fight them. But then they keep Ray and and Vader separate, which I think is good because it doesn't detract from the the seriousness of the battle that they're having. Yeah, it's just a fun uh, diversion. Uh, it's like, oh, what will happen if all these characters get together while they're already in their own conflicts? Because that's what happens. They grab them all during big conflicts. Um, exactly. And so, of course, and it's fun to see young Han Solo and old Han Solo going like, you want to shoot first, kid? <laughs> um, <laughs> it, or it uh, is like I said earlier, it literally is just emptying out the toy box and just doing everything, which is yeah. so or episode fun. one, episode two, and episode three. Um, Obi Wan 
which brought me back to like uh, playing Lego Star Wars, where you literally have the episode one costume, the episode two costume, and the episode <laughs> three costume. <laughs> and I'm like, one of these has to be Aragorn. <laughs> there was one major joke that was missing from this uh, reference to I Don't Like Sam, oh. which I am dressed for. <laughs> <laughs> Not a deal breaker. It's just, it, it's surprising that they didn't make a joke about that when they were making I a think, joke about just about everything. <laughs> I think they referenced that in Star Wars Great Tales somewhere, but I don't remember because I haven't watched that in a little while. Star Wars uh, Great Tales? No, Droid Tales. Star Wars Droid, Droid Tales. Tale. Uh, okay. Which is, I haven't actually seen has, it. Neither have I. After the events of uh return of the after the events of return of the jedi c3po is kind of recapping the events of everything up to return of the jedi um and so eventually vader gets a hold of the time key mm -hmm. and he brings that to palpatine and of course the first thing palpatine thinks is oh well, i want to go into the future 30 years and see <laughs> what things are like in 30 years and how my empire's doing <laughs> and he ends up in Kylo Ren's closet as Kylo Ren is shirtless and just doing his Kylo Ren thing. Oh, I, love, hey, I love. Why is that a meme that a guy is shirtless? Because Have anybody ever been in like a locker room or a swimming pool? I never understood why that's such a meme. Well, it was unexpected. Largely because of the ridiculous um, pants that he was wearing. Oh, and no the fact that he's very, very built okay like i'm just like i've been in locker rooms and seen much weirder things than this so i'm like i'm already shredded <laughs> well it's because you don't really see shirtlessness in star wars too much so that's true yeah. and like this uh the the point where it comes it's like contrary to expectations of seeing kylo and ray in these mm -hmm. force visions and so it's a it's a comedic moment um, but otherwise, we had just seen Anakin wake up without a shirt on uh, from a nightmare yeah. when Padme's about to die. So seeing that and not that situation and not dark at all, like very clearly that, um, I think that's how it became a, a meme. And also just the way it's like, hold on, something's just seen right because of how high his, his pants were. <laughs> um, but I love, I love the um, jokes that they had with um, uh, Dom Hall Gleason's character that I'm forgetting. Uh, Hux, yeah, Hux. General Hugs. Um, <laughs> um, where he keeps, I'm surprised they found that many uh, puns for um, midriff and pectoral, the pectoral region and the <laughs> midriff rim. <laughs> like, couldn't you, you put a shirt on before you tell me the tale? <laughs> Do either of you watch last week tonight with John Oliver? Yes. Oh, yes. I couldn't help but think about the the John Oliver thirsting over Adam Driver meme. Oh gosh! <laughs> you saw that Adam Driver reacted to it, right? I love that. <laughs> do you realize over this past year what you've asked me to do to you? Collapse on your chest, yeah. tie your fingers in a square knot, yeah. step on your throat, shatter your knees, pull your heart out through your ear, what's wrong with you? You realize we're strangers, right? I don't know you. And now random people on the internet stand us, right. claiming that you thirsting over me is a mood. You're right, Adam, I get it, I get it. I'm sick of people stopping me on the street and asking me if I'm gonna punch a hole in you like a marriage story wall. That's completely fair. 
That was their big season finale moment. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell they were building up to that all season. Explore the fucking space, you hollow-boned Mr. Bean cosplayer. Look around you, you underbaked gingerbread boy. Um, I love how Palpatine is like, would you ever betray your master? <laughs> like, I wouldn't throw you down a reactor shaft. <laughs> <laughs> so just like with uh, just like in that scene in the last jedi where he can't really hide his intentions from snoke but he can misdirect them that's essentially what he's doing again there just more comedically yeah mm-hmm. i just I, I love that i love i love how uh, palpatine is like wait so what happened then he's like i've got a story to tell you and then palpatine for the rest of the Special is just pissed to find out that Vader threw him down a reactor shaft. <laughs> uh, I wonder how it would have been different uh, comedically if they uh, had taken the idea that it was all like um, pre-planned. Um, like that's kind of what the this main saga. That's kind of the route they're taking. Like this has been a long orchestrated scheme. I wonder how the comedy would have changed if they had taken that as gospel truth for the. Uh, the um specials plot that vader that would have been a funny way to take it the vader was always gonna overthrow palpatine no that palpatine has been the one behind everything like even Uh, the first order and stuff like he had pre-planned the um uh imperfect clones um because he had foreseen that vader would take over so he thought 30 years ahead and made clones and that's how he's the grandfather and that's how he's the supreme leader of the final order. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's real dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think Which means you could have roasted it on a stick. It, I think I think that's real dumb. I think I think. Oh, I I actually wanted you to throw me down that reactor so that <laughs> I could resurrect myself thirty years later, and everyone would find out for the first time in Fortnite. <laughs> I forgot about that. But we're not here to roast Rise of Skywalker, but it's kind of hard not to because this takes place directly after. I forgot about the Fortnite thing. Oh my god. <laughs> they did that with Avengers too, but it was actually referenced in the movie, which I thought was at least more appropriate because it's supposed to be that Thor is a sad loser at that point <laughs> when he's just doing nothing but playing Fortnite. I... I did like how they gave the emperor like a coming to Jesus moment when he's about yes. to die in the reactor. And again, that was that, that feels like it was directly taken from Robot Chicken because that same thing yes. happens. I mean, in Robot Chicken, it's not quite the come to Jesus. He just sees his life reflecting before him. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's very similar vibes to the Robot Chicken parody. Yeah. And, oh, oh, there was another big joke missing. No Darth Jar Jar reference. No, but they it did have the. They did reference Jar Jar's Senate speech as a disaster. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's how bad his tip yip was. I just love <laughs> that that in the robot chicken where the emperor calls Jar Jar and says, hey, I'm sorry I manipulated you to give me power. And then Jar Jar's like, ah, yes, you so manipulated me. And he hangs up and he's like, <laughs> it's like the evil laugh. He's a dark Jar Jar. You say, please, you do this time. <laughs> Um, but I guess you can't th- there's so much jokes with Star Wars you can't just have every single joke in have one. Everything. 
you, that's true. You can't have every topping on your ice cream. You have to pick. Yeah. Um, can't I also love three years when, and forty-five minutes. I also love when um, Palpatine tells Vader to go get Luke from the the moon of Endor, and Kylo Ren's like, "You realize that sets off that entire chain of events, right? You'll get thrown down that reactor shaft, and there's no coming back from that." Like the, the the writers all agree that Rise of Skywalker was stupid. <laughs> yeah, even a silly Christmas parody thing like, doesn't acknowledge it exists. <laughs> Why did they decide to do that? I just uh... yeah, but at the same time, they have they. I think they equally rib just about every movie except. Oh yeah, movie. like the prequels get a good ribbing. Um, yeah, like who cares about trade disputes? Um, the whole thing with Anakin and the flowers an Attack of the Clones or yes. um, uh, oh, Revenge of the Sith uh, like, he's like, Anakin, you know fear leads to hate, hate leads to... I know and, what it leads to I know. <laughs> yeah. um, so like, it's easy to rib on Rise of Skywalker and I have mixed feelings about that movie as well um, but I think like, each movie got a pretty good, you know, nudge yeah yeah, just for the viewers at home who may <laughs> for the viewers at home who may really do enjoy that movie because I know there are people out there who do. Um, I don't think that the writers of the special um, were like specifically targeting that, but there is yeah. in all of Star Wars. Star Wars is very silly at <laughs> several points. Of course, of course. Um, like Solo, last name I don't have a last name. Hmm. Solo. <laughs> Again, it's just fun. It's a fun series with serious themes. Right. Same with the special. Very silly, Absolutely. serious things. Absolutely. Um, another another moment that kind of harkens back to Endgame um, <laughs> is when Kylo Ren starts trying to attack um, Luke, as in Return of the Jedi Luke, not pre and New Hope Luke. Yeah, and, I like Return of the Jedi Luke in this. He was a really cool yeah. character. Um, and yeah, because Return of the Jedi Luke has a bit of screen time and he's really cool. Uh, yeah. I like this Return of the Jedi Luke better than the actual Return of the Jedi Luke. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Because <laughs> I think uh, it felt like last Sky or last last Jedi uh, Luke, but like before he's grumpy Luke, like in the flashbacks, and yeah. like that's a really good Luke. And you know, everyone in the black suit. I keep saying how much he hates Luke, and Luke is like, "Kid, I don't even know who you are." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like uh, when. Yeah, I, I love um, I, I love how they have the interaction like. Uncle, he's like, uncle, <laughs> grandson. What? <laughs> These binary sons are bright. <laughs> I love the rudder in uh, how it should have ended, where it's like, "Hey, everyone, have you heard the news? I'm a father. Woohoo! I have a son, stormtroopers. I have a son, asteroids and bounty hunters." Guess what? I have a son. Did you know that? I have a son, little droid that drives around the hallways. I have a son, Lightspeed! I have a daughter, too? That is wonderful! I must tell everyone! I have a daughter, Stormtroopers! Uh, You see what you did? Who knows how long he'll be running around like that. I have a grandson, too! Yes. And then having it on the Falcon was a good excuse to just randomly have characters and creatures. Like, you know, they have Ewoks show up, and I always and like a good porgs. Ewok They're reference. Porgs. And porgs, yeah. Lots of porgs, yeah, porgs. And then the Wookiees trying to eat the porgs. <laughs> and Chewbacca, and Chewbacca's like, no, 
you cannot eat my friend. Are porgs the equivalent of like wild animals or are they supposed to be intelligent? Because that's kind of creepy if he's trying to eat. So if Tip Yip <laughs> is supposed to be a turkey, then porgs are like little chickens. Okay. Look yeah. Yeah, because the Tip Yip's the, well, Tip Yip is a chicken. Oh. Well, Tip Yip well, is a galaxy's edge, but I guess in here is a turkey. <laughs> yeah. Get your poultry. To, to in Galaxy's Edge, there are cast members who talk about eating porgs, so yeah. Oh, oh monsters. It is, is poultry. I'm not a friend with that cast member. <laughs> <laughs> you monsters. Speaking of, of the, the Falcon, um, when all the uh, characters come in because of the, the, the stress signal that uh, Finn mm -hmm. and Rose put out and everyone comes together to save Life Day, um, I like that they had the not in Greedo, but his same species um, that I'm forgetting right now. Um, and he walks in, he just goes, he lifts his hands up in the air and yells, McClunky! <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a reference to the Disney Plus version of... Uh, yes, because you can never stop changing that scene, even eight <laughs> years after Lucas doesn't own it. So what I, what I found out from a recent conversation about the 3D re-release of Phantom Menace is that they had had edits ready to go of all of the movies for the mm -hmm. 3D conversion. Yep. And yeah. that's where the McClunky came from. Yeah. Yep. And that's where the McClunky came from. Yeah. I just think it really shocked everybody who didn't expect there to be even more changes. Because most people didn't have that, that edit. They had the, the second most recent one, which was the one probably from the latest version of the special edition. So the one from the, the 2004 DVD and the Blu-ray, which are the same, right. is where Rito shoots first, but it's so close to each other. It's basically the same time. Yeah. And as a kid, I remember, so we had the VHSs, which was the original version, except in full screen. And then we got the, uh, the 2004 DVD release. I didn't even notice that Greedo shot first. Oh, the other thing I didn't mention earlier that I thought was really cool, and I feel like should have happened at some point um, during the actual sequel trilogy, was Yoda actually talking to Rey. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was a cool Because Yoda only talks to Luke in the sequel trilogy. Right. Until... Which, I mean, makes sense, um, but... Yeah, just until the um, uh, Be With Me scene at the end of Rise of Skywalker where all the Jedi passed, um, talked to Rey. But it was it was good to like see that because it did get into the moral of the story, um, which again, that's the same you know, uh, package that we have, the same uh, uh, moral that we have in every Christmas special. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's fun to see that in a Star Wars package and it, it can't help but warm your heart where it's like, he had a great line um, where he's like, so focused on the books you are, failed to see the connection you did. And what's that connection? It's friends. And that's what Christmas is. I mean, life Day. What Life Day is about friends. It's about being together, being with your friends, and just enjoying each other's company. Because that's what they, what the masters, that's what the apprentices, that's what they all did. And that's what everyone should do. Um, yeah. And I love, I love that you said so focused on the books you are. Because um, I can't help but see religion in Star Wars. And I think um, in American Christianity, sorry to get a little deep here, friends. But like in American Christianity, it's um, like so much focused on legalism, which it shouldn't be. Uh, so focused on legalism, so focused on the books you are, you forget about the connections, you forget about being with people. You're so focused on sitting down on Sunday that you're not getting out on Sunday kind of thing. 
Um, so like, that's what it said to me, but even as just like a Christmas uh, special, um, like, yeah, don't get so caught in the thick of things that you forget to look outside, look outside of yourself, look around, see, see that there's a whole bunch of other, you know, rocks, uh, like keys in this chamber, see that you've got friends who really care for you, that they're okay if you mess up every now and again, right? They're still there for you. Just remember, you don't have this world on your shoulders now or anymore. Um, remember the connection. You're not there. So let's fix this and get back to the Millennium Falcon and enjoy that company because you've made a difference just by being there. Well said. I like that a lot. Um, and the, the other thing I can't help but think of with that, li with that line is it honestly applies a lot to a lot of Star Wars fans too. They focus so much on the lore and the the mechanics of how things work that they stop to they they they, they forget that these movies are you know movies that with characters that have relationships. You know that's the stuff that's really important, and that's more important than any of the any of the mechanics of how the force works or what is where all all of that stuff is a garnish that's not as important as the storytelling and does the storytelling work yeah um and i think about like um jonathan uh edward who or edward he he's my uh friend and creative partner on theme park workshop and he's got phineas flynn's law he was on your show uh yeah. was it episode yeah. one episode two he was on episode one Okay. Oh, you and your sister. That was episode zero. That was episode zero. So he was on episode one talking about roller coaster. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about Galaxy's Edge and, and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, honestly, the sequel trilogy is like my Star Wars. That's the one I like relate to. Um, and I relate to him on that um, because I didn't care about things that weren't lightsabers until the sequel trilogy. And that's when I realized, oh, this is what Star Wars is about. It's not about good and evil it's i mean it is but it's more than that um it's about the um these themes about um i don't know more than that <laughs> you know like the political stuff for example and the prequels that's the heart of um what lucas thinks about the world um and um the original trilogy is about these these friends banding together and um learning things like patience that's what empire strikes back is about it's about spirituality and patience um and return of the jedi is about redemption um and uh the sequels disney's acquisition you know the disney movies that helped me see that it's more than just fighty fighty you know and stuff like that absolutely Landon, do you have anything else to add <laughs> uh yeah I, you, you were mentioning how yoda's advice kind of applies to star wars fandom I agree with that. I don't know if it was intended, but there's another yeah. thing oh, way this can apply to Star Wars. <laughs> there's another way this can apply to Star Wars fandom is that the fans themselves need to sort of remember that they have a connection because they share something that they love instead of <laughs> bitterly fighting amongst each other <laughs> about things. But these are Star Wars fans. It's so. not about finding what we hate. It's about saving what we love. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love but, that uh, line so much. That's I, Star Wars. I will say, while while Star Wars fandom has lots of toxicity, mm -hmm. one thing I have noticed is that a lot of it isn't necessarily Star Wars fandom. It's that Star Wars is so universal. There's so many people that want to comment on it, and I feel like 
a reaction to a lot of those movies, most notably The Last Jedi, was a lot of like alt-right troll people who who just used that as part of their eternal culture wars. What, you mean the people that say that only 5% of women have actually seen and care about Star Wars don't just live in their mother's basement? <laughs> I forgot. I, I don't know about those personal attacks, but they're, you know, alt-right trolls. <laughs> yeah, and that's not to say that there aren't normal people who don't like these movies or don't oh, like yeah. Last Jedi. Yeah. Or yeah. That no, I know like, people who yeah. don't like Last Jedi who aren't alt-right trolls. I just right. think that was a major that's part of the people who won't people shut up about it. like Last Jedi for genuine, legitimate reasons, and that's fine. But yeah. the thing that gets me is the, the people that still seem to think that Star Wars is just for nerds. It's like, Star Wars is one of the biggest things in pop culture. Right up there with Marvel. It's not just some niche property. There was a yeah. Disney ride based on it in 1987. Yep. So like, or 86, depending on who you ask. I think. Well, soft opening at the end of 86. And right, yeah. 87. But yeah, Star Wars was, when the original movie came out, it was the pop culture phenomenon. Right. So it's like the like almost any other was this massive deal. And even when I was a kid, it was still very normal for a kid to be into Star Wars. There were a fair number of people who hadn't seen it. And then there were people who associated it with, you know, geek culture, but it it was pretty mainstream. Yeah. Um and I think part of that too is like Star Wars has, has had two uh like growths and it's had like two puberties you had the original like the movies the movies have always captured everyone's imagination it's always captured everyone's interest or if not everyone a good amount of people like my dad just saw he's never seen a star wars movie but he likes solo that was his first star wars movie so like there's something universal about these movies yeah um but like so much of star wars for the uh first uh what was it 40 35 years that was mostly like the books and the games and the comics that you could hardly wade through. Like if you try picking up a book at random, you don't know what's going on because you missed 35 other years right. of content. Um, whereas now with the reboot, with the reintroduction and the rewrite of it all, I think that's an, it has invited a new audience. Um, even me, who's like, who grew up with a form of Star Wars, um, I feel like my interest has been rebooted since um, it, it, it started again um, because it's been made more accessible than it has been in the past where you kind of have to be part of the nerd and geek uh, circles and, and cultures to even figure out what's going on outside of the six movies and a television show. Yeah, with the end of the sequel trilogy, I have to keep reminding myself that it's not over. We've barely even just started. Yeah. There is going to be well, yeah, the High Republic coming, y'all. For generations to come. I mean, it never really was over because right. there were expanded universe stuff coming out nonstop, basically since the first movie came out. I mean, the most expanded universe time, didn't cut. But the last time one of these trilogies ended, you didn't know if there was even going to be another movie. When Now it's like, yeah, yeah. We, know, we know. We just don't quite know when because... You don't know like when you can't figure out the dates that's what's going on you don't know when the dates are like when's Taika's movie coming out uh is ryan johnson still doing star wars what about david benioff and db weiss when's what, what were their movies going to be how are these television shows is that the new direction i think we don't know 
what the visual media direction of Star Wars is quite going to be yet, just because we can't put it on a calendar. But right. the other canon stuff has just been trucking right along. Um, it's just well, not at the forefront of everyone's minds. And I have to imagine part of it is everything is in limbo right now because everything cinematic is in limbo because it's either, okay, yes. we already made this, so do we want to wait for theaters to reopen or are we just going to chunk into streaming and hope that things get better next summer? And well, let's charge people like, $30 to watch it on our streaming platform. Yeah, let's they already paid maybe all not money. do that. What, what, <laughs> what amazes me and makes me very happy is that the, the number one thing on Disney Plus was Hamilton. Number two was Candace Against the Universe. I'm like, that means it beat out Mulan. It beat out, what is it? The, the, the Secret Onward. Society. And um, Artemis Fowl and all those other terrible <laughs> live action Disney movies. Thank Did you see God. Artemis Fowl? Did you see Artemis Fowl? No. Oh, it's so delightfully bad. It's Disney's Cats. <laughs> oh, it's so <laughs> guys, let me that tell you, you, you so need you need to watch it. Now. Have a double feature um, and watch Cats and Artemis Fowl back to back. You might need a little liquid courage to get through the through it all. Okay. But I tell well, you, I it's so rewarding. Doing that. <laughs> Release the buckle oh. on cats already. It's a mess. It's a total <laughs> mess. And I love how mess I want to give it a hug. Like Artemis Five watching, like, come here, who hurt you? They who were hurt gonna you? that to theaters. <laughs> they were gonna release that to theaters. No one thought it was gonna end up this way. Come here, Artemis Five, let me pat your head. <laughs> like they actually thought. I have to wonder if when they realized it was gonna get dumped to streaming, they they called the artists they were surely underpaying. And we're just like, yeah, just send us the work in progress CGI. This doesn't need to look good at all. CGI was okay. It was it was the editing and what the about the guy writing. that like ate dirt and just like spat it out from his other side? That looked well. That was terrible. in the book, and that was always going to look like that. <laughs> so then you don't show it. You you imply that kind of thing. You don't show that on screen if you're not going to make it look good. Honestly, that was not the worst part of the movie. That's where a competent director would be like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to do this and make it not look like like, like crap. Dude, but here's the wildest thing. It was a competent director. It's Kenneth Branagh. Sir Kenneth what? Branagh. Yeah. What? Yeah. A oh Thor. Much Ado About Nothing. Murder on the Orient Express. Uh. <laughs> that surprisingly good Jack Ryan movie. So like, and, uh, That's why I want to give it a hug because something disastrously divine happened to this. Like, this is an out-of-this-world act of God kind of thing going on so it's exactly movie. like Andy <laughs> in that terrible Hulk movie where he was like, I didn't want to do this, so I'm just going to do whatever I want with it. It's whatever. Where it was kind of just but the like, point is, Lego Star Wars Holiday Special is much better than Artemis Fowl. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good Disney Plus original. <laughs> and a meaningful plus original <laughs> this gets a disney plus from all of us yeah, yeah my my mindset towards just about every star wars product that's following is i'm just gonna think of it as expanded universe because mm -hmm. when i was you know a kid teenager everything that was expanded universe the video games the books everything 
it didn't really bug me if something was out of sequence of how I thought the story should go because I'm like, okay, this is just, you know, expanded universe stuff. Yeah. And I feel like they can just put episodic films to halt. They probably won't, but I feel like they should. And I'm just going to think of everything as being part of the expanded universe, whether it's in theaters or not, so that I'm not disappointed and just can, can cling to the original Star Wars being the original Star Wars. See, the only reason why... Said. Don't want them to stop doing episodic films is because I I think that I, I think that we don't need to follow the Skywalkers anymore, but and I think that's done. But I don't want them to stop doing episodic films because I don't want them to stop having films that connect to each other in meaningful ways and actually have characters that we follow. Well, have y'all been watching Mando? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. obviously we have Mandalorian, but I'm talking about on the big screen. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, because I'm not going to spoil this most recent episode for folks who are listening to this who haven't watched that. Um, but it's it feels very Marvel and how each little story is connected to the next little story. And actually, uh, Charles Soule's uh, comics and books have been doing this too, where there's like a hint at what's to come next and a hint at what's to come next. And it's very, very fulfilling um, to see. And like I thought the direction that the season of Mando is going um that was my fear like I was like oh man you're gonna make the universe smaller it's not gonna be good and that was actually my favorite part of this past episode um so if I think as they keep on doing that because everyone's watching Mandalorian it feels like um it's so part of the cultural zeitgeist right now it feels like um that that whatever the next movie is going to be I think it's going to tie in in some small way to Clone Wars or Rebels or Mando um or something like that um because I don't think episode 10 episode 10 is not going to be next um, and, and Mandalorian's popularity is probably expedited by the fact that we're kind of locked up at home. Well, yeah, but so. it, it still came out last year when we weren't, and it was still the biggest. Oh, yeah, it was it was popular then, too. I'm saying that yeah. that might make the Mandalorian even more essential to Star Wars. Yeah. Honestly, I kind of would love to see them walk the story back a lot and start um, before any of the Skywalker stuff happened. They're yeah. doing that in a book. In there. I know... Uh, there was like the Knights of the Old Republic and that kind of stuff. And that. yeah, the the le- what they now call the Legends mm-hmm. canon has right. all kinds of stuff. For yeah, him. but this next January we're getting a book that takes place two hundred and thirty-seven years before Phantom, um, or something like that. It's called the High Republic. Oh yeah, um, I saw the thing about that. Yeah, like um, apparently there's this disaster and it's going to be this like whole. Um, series of connected stories um that stem from this one disaster um it's going to be about the yoda's going to be in it like young yoda like 700 year old yoda (laughs) um you know young uh he's going to be uh in it and there's going to have um like jedi before they were at that point of corruption that they were in the um prequel stories um and they'll probably, I, I know uh, the woman who made Russian Dolls, she's going to be doing a series for Disney Plus um, that's going to take place at a part in the timeline that has not yet been explored. So that's either going to be far future or far past. And I'm interested to see what that's going to be. I'm excited for the future of Star Wars as a whole. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm down to see more specials like this. I'm down to see more Disney Plus series. I'm down to see whatever, really. Whatever they can throw at us, I'm down. Yeah, as long as they keep the heart of it. Um, and I think for the most part, Disney's been really good, or Disney Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm Publishing has been pretty good about that. They've had some big flops, right. I'm not going to lie. 
But like even in a Galaxy's Edge, a theme park tie-in novel, um, I mean, you can watch Jonathan and I's video about that on Theme Park Workshop, uh, where we explain the story and characters, uh, shameless plug there. Um, but uh, even in that book that should have been not good or not meaningful, it's one of the best Star Wars stories ever made, book. in my opinion. It I is love really good. Book. Yeah, like, it is a really good book. And same with like Lost Stars, which is about uh, uh, Empire, um, eventually Lieutenant, and a eventual rebel um, and like their love story. And like, it really explores the humanity of that. And I love the stories that do that. And most Star Wars has done that, um, which, okay, I'll get, a, I'll get a little poke in at Rise of Skywalker. It just wasn't fulfilling thematically in that way. Um, uh, and, uh, but it seems like the other stories are, start, are being good about that, um, except for like one comic that's been rightfully controversial. Um, I just hope that they don't forget that as they regrow. Um, but I'm trusting them right now. But it is a weird time for Star Wars fans because we don't exactly know the future. Yeah, well, the future is not always clear. But uh... I'm certain the future may be. Mm-hmm. See, I feel like actually no, that ties into the moral of the story with uh, in Lego Star in, in the holiday special, right? Right, right, exactly. See, it's funny because I feel like Rise of Skywalker didn't bring everything together in a way that the final film in the saga of the Skywalker saga should have have. done. Like, yeah, we have all these ships on screen, but we don't see anyone. Or, okay, we see Lando and Babu Frick, and that's about it. We don't actually see anyone that we care about other than just the people that we've already seen in these movies anyway. Yeah. But what I think would happen if they make more episodic films is that they're going to try to appease everyone again, and they're all just going to be cluster craps like like dumb, and I don't like Rise of Skywalker. I want them to actually make good quality movies that are movies first. And I feel like they could do that if they're not making the episodic ones, because people don't get as angry and react as harshly to those expanded universe ones Mm -hmm. than they would an episodic one. Have you seen some of the people talking about Solo, though? They keep so- calling it Soilo. Yeah. I've never heard that. <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't have... It, it just doesn't have the, the harsh reaction from fans that the episodic film does. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, the TV shows get me... My hope is that we don't have to keep dealing with the alt-right nonsense for much longer because all of those morons are going to go to parlor and then they'll leave us alone. Hey, Editor Channel here. I just wanted to jump in with the fact that um, a few days ago it was found out that Parler was actually requiring people to put in their social security number to prove their identity for verified accounts, and they've been hacked, and it's the second time that this has happened, so. (laughs) And now back to the podcast. Um, I I am hopeful just watching the television shows because they have been pretty daring um in their technique like the clone wars final four episodes felt nothing like star wars but they felt exactly like star wars even though they took a different direction in the filmmaking um and mando feels i mean people say it feels like the original trilogy it feels different it's but still got the the feel even though the aesthetic is very original trilogy the aesthetic of it yeah um so i and Taika Waititi was one of the most celebrated directors in the um, uh, uh, Mandalorian, and he's doing a movie 
Deborah Chow has been one of the most celebrated directors from the series, and she's about to do Kenobi, if that can get off the ground finally. Right. Um, so I think as, as long as they are willing to dare, as long as the filmmakers are willing to dare and Lucasfilm lets them, um, I, think, I think we're in a good place. I mean, they let them do the Lego Star Wars special, so anything's possible. And I'm Yeah. Hoping. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we go, does anyone have anything they want to plug? I don't do anything creative. I have a Twitter <laughs> and I can put it up. <laughs> OB Kenoki. O-B-I-K-N-O-K-E. On Twitter, OB Kenoki. Um, um, yes, yeah, Chandler said at the beginning of the show, I do a uh, theme park show with my friend Jonathan um, called Theme Park Workshop. We talk about theme parks <laughs> and the rides and the stories and the things that make them work. We've got a puppet named Balthasar Banshee. He's a hoot. A lot of people love him. If you want to know how an avatar banshee sounds when he's talking, come to Theme Park Workshop. You'll figure it out. And we've got a, we actually got, we we're talking about Star Wars now. We have a mini series about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I'm sure you'll enjoy that. Um, yeah. So that's really the only thing I have to plug. Um, and and even that for... features the banshee. That's true. Even that's Star true. Wars Galaxy's Edge. Scene. And he crashed one of my videos one time. That's true. And you crash this show in return. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Starport97 and at the YouTube channel Starport97. I have a whole bunch of new videos planned over there, and I'm really excited for that. I'm also going to be on the Thanks for the Magic live stream this weekend, sharing stories about working at and visiting the parks on Saturday from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And again later on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun, it's for a great cause, and quite a few of my very good friends are going to be on it, so definitely tune into Theme Snark's YouTube channel this weekend. You can also find this podcast on Twitter, at Podcast Acronym. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm on Anchor and all the other usual places, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at Starport97 on YouTube. If you want to help me out even more, you can pledge to me on Patreon. Just search for Channel Shay. So join me next week along with the members of Channel KRT and my good friend Ava Moss as we talk about the new Mickey Mouse shorts. I'm okay. Way to ruin the moment, Porkins. Annie, I'm pregnant. I'm gonna be a father? Shh, what are you doing? I'm so happy! Quiet. Everyone, I'm gonna be a father! My secret wife is pregnant and she's gonna have a baby! Mr. Windu, I've heard the news! Jonah, where you at? I'm gonna be